Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Drip. Rob, welcome back to Leadership Drip, friend. I am, well, I was going to say dripping with coffee, <laughs> but I don't know if in today's lingo, can I say that? Does I don't that mean know. I have like diamonds? I don't know. I think so. I think that means like you got gold and diamonds, which we, neither one of us are currently sporting. I, you know, back in the 90s and 80s, back. before you were born, Hannah. Uh, <laughs> Segway right to our guest. Perfectly. <laughs> I used to wear the gold chains, you know what I'm saying? Since we've let the cat out of the bag, Hannah Gronowski is at the table with us today. That's exactly right. She is the CEO, founder of Generation Distinct. Generation Distinct is a nonprofit uh, with the mission to equip young leaders, which we love to discover the wrong they were born to make right. Brand new book out, um, an e-course. They're doing some things, Rob, that are just incredible. Mm. And she's a Chicagoan. Chicago. Welcome to the show. Proud to be. I'm, I'm really proud. I, I always tell people I'm on a mission to just help everyone in the world understand that Chicago actually is the best city in the world. So um, I'm, I, I'm so glad that you led with the, idea that, the fact that I'm a Chicagoan. So, so there's two questions I got to answer, and this yeah. determines our friendship, right? Okay. So, are you North Side or South Side? Uh, north Side. Oh, I knew it. I knew she was right. <laughs> she was right with the Lord. <laughs> the North Side is safe. I mean, south side. So, those who don't know, the North Side is the Cubs, obviously yeah. the best team. The South Side is the Sox, or yeah. other words we don't use on this show. Yeah. So, yeah. It's the North exactly. Sider. And then the second follow-up question, because this one now is a little more tricky. Yeah, Chicago style pizza. Um, okay, so the the common debate is Lumonati's versus Giordano's. Yeah, and I'm obviously Lumonati's because there really is only one right answer there. Right, but the actual right answer is neither because it's actually Pisano's, which is not a big chain, and it's just like a a little place downtown Chicago. So so now we got to figure out how to get some Pisano's, Rob. Do they freeze dry their pizza and send it to you like freeze dry? Pizza. does ship pizza. That okay. that is a reality. Okay. Now, so there's a couple things about Chicago, and we will get to real content in a minute. But pizza you, is well. Pizza, real pizza content, is one of them. Pizza, pizza is, is content. Portillo's, okay. Portillo's Italian beef, out of this world. Now they've spread out like they're in like Florida yeah. and, and Arizona, but when you go yeah. to Chicago and get Portillo's Italian beef, I'm telling you what, there's nothing like it. All right. I Portillo's think we... is, is well-respected. Here's, here's an uncommon opinion. Oh, I... my gosh. This is like, like I'm being dropped wisdom of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really do. I think it's overrated. I think it's, it's become like, yeah, everyone goes to Portillo's, but there's, always, like, there's also one every 15 minutes, so it's not yeah. that special. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we have Portillo's in California. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like in SoCal, we have Portillo's. It's, yeah, yeah. It's originated in Chicago. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All that aside, <laughs> now that now that now that I'm hungry, I'm gonna have to probably exactly. eat Mexican for lunch. But yeah, exactly. What is? Tell us a little bit about how you came to discover or or launch this this concept or organization called Generation Distinct. So I was gifted with an incredible opportunity to be raised in a really great, creative, fun church. My parents gave me a great picture of who Jesus was. They were kind of both first generation Christians. And so I just, I, I got a really great picture of Jesus. So I don't really remember a time when I didn't want to follow Jesus. I always saw him as this really exciting adventure. 
And so when I was 16, I was like, yeah, I'm in with Jesus. I love this thing. I love my church, but I'm seeing a lot of injustice around me. I'm, I'm recognizing the pain in the world and I want to do something about it. And I was like a super big dreamer, always have been, probably always will be. And so naturally at 16, I wanted to start the next organization that was going to change the world and defeat injustice all around me, you know, like in 24 hours and, and just do it all right. And so it kind of all culminated on this moment where I, where I pray and I said, God, I will do whatever you want with my life. Yeah. Um, sorry. Wow. <laughs> Did that just cut out for you guys or no? No, no. Okay. Wow. We're struggling here. We're going to get through we're this. The devil is in this conversation. We need, we need some Alex. <laughs> like, what just Your numbers, Alex. <laughs> um, so it culminated in this moment where I said, God, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. I, here is my life. What is it that you want me to do with my, with my, my one and only life here? Yeah. And it was this moment I was, I was sitting on a couch in my parents' family room, and I was reading this book about injustice as I was kind of praying these prayers. And I felt like I was just being moved by these injustices. And I would, I would read a chapter about homelessness in America, right? And I would think, oh my goodness, this is my passion to go save all the homeless people, right? And then I'd turn the page to me about, you know, orphans across the globe. And I would think, oh no, 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 never mind. This is my passion to go save all the orphans, right? And then I flip the page to me about human trafficking. And I would think, oh, never mind. I'm going to go save all the girls, right? And so, it got to this point at the end of this book presenting all these injustices that, that I thought, God, I don't understand. I, I feel like my heart is moving towards all these injustices. What does this mean for my life? Like, what do you want me to do here? And that was kind of the first clear impression I ever received from God. I felt like he was saying, Hannah, you're not called to solve all of the injustice in this world. Mm. Instead, I want to use you to empower a generation to solve injustice in this world. And in so doing, You'll have a greater impact. Yeah. Yeah. And at 16, I remember running up to my little bedroom at the time and I had this whiteboard and man, I just started drawing out all these ideas and plans for what it would be like if I could equip my generation, my peers to not just know about injustice, but to have some sort of strategy or plan to actually solve injustice. And what if we could pair the incredible passion of the next generation with incredible strategy and what would we see unleashed in our world? We'd see justice and hope and truth and transformation. And so that was kind of the first spark of this idea yeah. of Generation Distinct. And then fast forward, you know, I was watching just as I grew older, around 20, I was watching my generation starting to walk away from Jesus, yeah. you know, and I was confused because for me, following Jesus had always been the greatest adventure, had always been following Jesus into the margins, into, into caring for people, into changing the world. But I was, I was asking these people, why are you leaving the church? Like, what's going on here? They would say, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about injustice. I'm passionate about changing the world. And I don't see the opportunity to do that when I'm following Jesus, when I'm in this, yeah. this, this confining organism of the local church. Yeah. And so my heart started to break. And I realized that we had to do something about this. And I, and I realized, what if we could help the next generation understand that it's not just that Jesus is okay with your pursuit of justice. It's not okay that he's not just okay with your pursuit of changing the world, but really you have this passion and this drive and this desire to change the world, to bring justice into the world 
because God actually placed that within you because that's a piece of his image that's within you. If we could help the next generation understand that, wow, how much more would we see the next generation come back into the church and be even more committed to Jesus than any generation that has ever existed. And so Generation Sync was birthed out of this passion. Wow, what if we could actually help the generation around us? to experience what it's like to join Jesus in his mission to change things. And then what if we actually gave them a strategy to do it? It wasn't just a good idea. We helped them build strategy to actually accomplish it. And that's really what we do today. That's so cool. I mean, I think one of the the best things about having a conversation with you, besides the fact (laughs) that your passion and your energy, which we love, (laughs) uh, negate the whole pizza thing, which is also a wonderful component, but seriously, (laughs) One of the great things about having a conversation with you is that you are both leading in mm. the way that we, we desire to reach uh, young adults, yeah. but also your contemporary. So yeah. your voice is so unique because you're leading at a very high level, obviously accomplishing a lot of great things, you know, with the, the book release that came out recently, and we'll get to that in a few minutes, but, but you're also empowering your, your own peers and your generation. Mm-hmm. I think that is such a unique um, piece of the puzzle. So being only 25, that's your words, not mine, right? Yes. Not calling out a lady's age. I know that is not appropriate, <laughs> but she said it, not me. So yes. 25, obviously you don't have everything figured out, right? That's I mean, right. I mean, that's fair, right? I mean, that's our age. Our age and we're we not even, we're out. not saying our age, we're not gonna <laughs> tell you our age, but our age, we still don't have everything figured out. And right. I'm not saying that you think you do. My point right. is, you're still in the process of cultivating presently in the moment what it is God wants to do in your life, this calling that you have. Right. So I think I want to echo your sentiment saying that this generation wants to change the world more than any other generation in my lifetime that I've known of. And so how are you cultivating that calling? Like what does that look like for you? Despite the fact that you're having this success, and however we determine that, but um, what does that look like for you? Hmm. You know, it's really interesting because um, I, I, this is a really timely question for me because it's a really fresh conversation I'm having. My story is unique in the, in the fact that I had this clear vision of what I was supposed to do at the age of 16. Right. If you would have asked me when I was five years old what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said a writer. That was always a thing for me. When I was 20, I made a goal to have my first book deal by 24. And so there, there's just some uniqueness that that's not always the case, right? It's not always the case that you get a really clear vision and you just say yes and you have the people around you who believe in you and all of that. So when I really look back in my story, I don't credit it to the fact that I'm a better leader than any other 25-year-old, that I'm more impressive than any other 25-year-old. I'm not. I know myself enough to know that I'm not. But what I do credit, at least a piece of it too, is, um, is, is the fact that I had incredible people around me who called things out of me and gave me opportunity before I really should have been given it. <laughs> I mean, when I was you know, 16, I had this vision. I had parents who breathed the life into that and believed in it and affirmed it in me, which is so rare. The older I get, the rarer I realize that that really was. And then when I was 18, I started working at my church and my pastor saw leadership capacity in me at the age of 18. 
I was leading a team of 40 volunteers on staff at a church by the time I was 19. He was putting me up on main stage to give announcements, to try communicating. I mean, I was just being given opportunity after opportunity, again, before I was qualified, before I had anything on my resume to say that I should. And that's really, really rare. And so when I look back on my story, I credit it to the incredible leaders around me. And in, in, in the acknowledgments of my book, I talk a lot about these, these people that came around me. Right. Um, I had a woman who I ran into when I was 20 in a grocery store that we had mutual connections. And she asked if she could mentor me in business for free, right? Like just these random crazy stories. My mentor is a pastor and a speaker and an author. And so she helped me write my book proposal, right? Like there's just so many amazing people who said yes to investing in my life, giving their own time up. These are successful, influential people and who called things out of me that I might never have believed about myself. And so I actually think there's so many more young people that could step into this if there were simply older leaders who took the time to look them in the eye and say, hey, I see leadership in you. Hey, I know you don't have this on your resume yet, but why don't you try speaking? Why don't you try leading? Why don't you try running the staff meeting, right? Why, why don't we give leadership opportunity away? Because that's how the next generation is going to walk into their leadership really well. So that's one piece of it is, is I had older leaders who hit it out of the park when it came to investing in me, giving me opportunity. But the other part is, uh, so I'm, I know we, we got this far interviewing a 25 year old female and now we're bringing up that Enneagram. So we're doing pretty good. Um, but <laughs> my head. The, the question was there. Well, hold on, hold on. If our listeners want to hear the soul and the guts of this show, yes. just listen to the last three minutes of this yes. conversation. Yeah. yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Amen. Uh, that's that's the guts of this show. That's why we decided yes. to do it in the first place. So, so these past wow. three minutes, okay. but there no, you go. we'll get back to that. I want to guess Enneagram, Rob. I'm going to go seven. I'm saying seven because I'm a seven, and we're. I feel like we're kindred spirits. Yes, you guys, you know me so well. I am a seven. The I adventure am. word. The adventure word was the giveaway. The she said it like 19 times. So I'm on an adventure. I'm on an adventure. And I'm like, that's Rob. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, every single time. When I saw the mountain pictures in the background of your pro, I was like, yes, fellow seven. Um, so I'm a seven, but my eight wings, super strong, right? Like I got that eight wing coming in. And so because of that, <laughs> I can be, I mean, I'm just gonna go vulnerable here. I'll go real. I can be really, really tempted to take credit for my success. Like I just can, right? I can be really tempted to say, look how hard I worked. Look how driven I was. Look, I'm, I'm killing it out here. That's a real temptation for me. And I am actually reading a book with my spiritual counselor right now called Experiencing God, kind of a, a throwback. Oh, Blackaby. That's a great book. Blackaby. Yep. Classic. Yeah. Going deep. And really what I feel like God has been speaking to me lately about, because there's so much in there that's all about waiting on God's timing, waiting on his plan, waiting, waiting, waiting. And that's so not my nature. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm not going to wait. I called to go. I'm called to action. Let's change the world. And I've just been really convicted that in this season, I'm supposed to say, yes, that was my reality. Yes, God has accomplished things through me. But in this next season, man, I better become really, really good at recognizing that I cannot move ahead of mm. God's call. Mm. 
and yeah. ahead of God's voice. And, and, and at the end of the day, if I don't accomplish anything more because God tells me to stop, that will be enough because I'm in God's will for my life. So that's been, I think that's hard for young leaders, especially because we're so, we're such go-getters. We're at the beginning of our lives, beginning of our careers, but that's just a real life learning right now for me is I've got to check myself really often and say, am I in God's will for my life? Or does this just sound really fun to Hannah? You know? Yeah. No, there's some great points. And I want to go back to the mentor conversation a little bit. Yeah. Because I think that's, that's something that a lot of people don't see of Hannah. Mm, like yeah. Hannah, uh in generation distinct it's if you if you follow them on instagram and whatever else or you follow any young leader yeah they almost the the perception and, and i use the word perception because it's not the truth is sure. that they're self-made like like yeah. oh yeah. Uh, you know we carefully sculpt pictures <laughs> and settings and get people yeah. and we have these conversations we say important things and yep. and but what i love about what you're saying is that there was a lot of work behind the scenes with people and adult leaders Yes. investing heavily in who you were. Yes. And, 100%. and listen, that's a primary conversation Rob and I have all the time. Um, so, so how is that? Let me, let me translate it because a good friend of mine always says that, that and he quotes Jesus to set this up. He says, freely you received freely give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did what you took from your mentors become translated mm-hmm. to something that you could give away? Yes. Well, first of all, I think, I think, again, this comes from one of my mentors. And again, I just want to say, if you're an older leader, thank you for the ways that you're investing young leaders. If you're a young leader listening to this, I just need to caveat this really quick because this is really important. It is not the job of the older leader to find you. It is your job to find them. So if you're listening and you're like, well, that's great for Hannah, but I don't have any pe- anybody in my life, find them. Go online, look for people you respect, shoot them a DM, ask them for a FaceTime, like take ownership of your growth. If you want a mentor in your life, go out and find them. And then the, young, the older leader, you have to say yes, but young leader, it has to start with you. So I just mm-hmm. need to say that. But when it comes to kind of passing on early on, um, when I was starting to kind of enter into this role of, of leadership, I was asking one of my um, mentors, Danielle Strickland, and I said, hey, what do I need to know as I'm kind of walking into this calling? What do I need to know? And she looked at me and she said, Hannah, she goes, never get disconnected from your local ministry. That's truth. And I mean, she lives that out so well. That's so who she is. And I will never forget that moment. And at the time, you know, I was a 20 year old who was really involved in my church. I was a high school or a middle school, small group leader. And I think a lot of times those of those young leaders who have opportunity, who have platforms, it's so easy to get disconnected from the local call to simply make disciples and making disciples is not what we do when we stand on a stage. Making disciples is not what we do when we get on a podcast. Making disciples is the life on life experience mm-hmm. yeah. that nobody else sees that we say, this is what it means to live out the great commission. And because I saw mentors take the time to invest in me, I recognize this is important too. And so um, there's been like 10 girls I've discipled intentionally since they were fifth and sixth graders. Now they're juniors and seniors in high school. And we're talking about really different things these days. Now we're talking about where they're going to college and all that. But I was just with them. Um, you know, I, I mentor them throughout the week and I'm with them all the time, but it is just truly one of the best parts of my life. Because when I go out and hang out with them, 
they're not impressed by me. <laughs> like they don't think I'm a cool author. They don't listen to my podcast. I'm just Hannah that they've known since I was an awkward 17 year old, you know? And so I love that that kind of local ministry reminds me that this is the life. This is what it means to follow Jesus. The public stuff is not the definition of Christian success, the way that sometimes this generation thinks it is. Mm -hmm. The definition of Christian success is, are you living out the Great Commission, which is going out and make disciples of all nations? So because I saw mentors do an incredible job of calling out potential in me and giving me opportunity and, and breathing life into who I was as a follower of Jesus, I get to do it for other young women. And that's, that's such a gift. Um, so I, I would say the way that I've been able to receive that and pass it on is, is saying it doesn't end with me. My call is, is to pass it on to the next generation and then to equip them to go out and disciple the generation after them. That's so great. And so Hannah healthy. dropping some truth bombs. <laughs> Did you really go sing song with it? Like that was a musical podcast. I felt like it was a Disney moment. I was like, Hannah, dropping some truth bombs. Sorry, okay. No, I'm not gonna 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 do that. Like a whole that's a whole new level of this podcast. That's all that's like you just went a whole different direction. You know what I'm saying? She got me singing. So a uh incredible kind of perspective you have, and and obviously uh there's a depth of maturity that you have because you've been both invested in and you've invested in yourself as a leader yeah. and as a person and, sure. and so uh, and, and, and to others. And so I think that's quite evident in hearing you talk and hearing you speak. So as a young leader, yeah, there are obviously advantages and disadvantages you have to that. So um, kind of, you know, since you're being transparent and vulnerable, like yeah. what are some of those advantages and disadvantages for you as a young leader that you see right now? Sure. I think one of the advantages, I'm seven, so I'm going to start positive, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the advantages is that I, I have a unique way of being able to talk to young people as one of them, right? And so even in the book, I say right in the beginning, hey, this is one young leader talking to other young leaders. This isn't me telling you what to do. This isn't me giving you a list of you know, rules. This is simply me sharing my story of being a 25 year old girl in this world, sharing with other individuals who are also in their twenties and thirties. And so it's, it, it gives me, I think a unique perspective. And also is just the fact that I'm, I'm in this different relevancy to what the world and the next generation is longing for in local church, in, um, in, in ministry, in their walk with Jesus, because my friends and I talk about it when we go hang out, when we go grab dinner, when we're going for a workout, whatever, this is the things that we're naturally talking about. And so I think, I think the, the part of young people waiting till they're older, this kind of idea that wait, young people have to wait till they're older. I think it, it, it's not that you have to wait till you're older. You just have to make sure that there are wise people above you that can check you, right? And so there are opportunities to lead right now. And you do, you have a unique perspective on the world that 50-year-olds, 60 year olds aren't going to have. And so we see that, you know, Jesus empowering the next generation to lead at a young age, but also they partnered with other generations. So um, there is value, I believe, to leading at a young age, especially if you have those checks and balances around you. So that, I think that's an advantage. Um, I would say a disadvantage is that I don't know what I don't know. Right. I mean, I can, I can be real about that. Like I, we just added, um, I mean, our team is growing really, really fast at Generation Sync. So we have a staff of um, a 10 right now. And so I'm leading these individuals 
and and I love leading them. I mean, it's the best team. They're truly some of the most incredible creative humans I know, and I get to lead alongside of them, and it's such a gift. But at the same time, I've never led a staff this big. I, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. But again, that is why the idea of having people around you is so important. And I would also say um, mentors don't have to be there for years. I have one mentor, her name's Aubrey Sampson. She's incredible. Um, and she has been my mentor for five years. So she's my long-term, I've gone to the grocery store with her when she's busy and only has you know time for me to tag along to her grocery store runs. But then there's other individuals who I've just noticed, wow, they're an incredible corporate business person. And I would love to know who they are. And so I jumped on LinkedIn and I sent them a message and I said, hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? I'm trying to learn how to be a better leader. And I've driven very far to their offices to sit down and say, I have three questions for you. Tell me, how do you create great staff culture? How do you create buy-in with your team? How do you actually cast vision well? That's it. And then I leave and I, and I, and I have greater value. So I think we don't know what we don't know, which is a disadvantage. But if we're willing to be humble, if we're willing to admit that, if we're willing to do the hard work to, to actually ask questions and get around leaders who are smarter than us and more experienced than us, um, I believe it actually um, it, it causes us to be humble leaders because we recognize we're only here if we're experiencing yeah. any if we're experiencing any kind of success, it's because there's wiser people around us giving us that wisdom. Yeah, I agree. I think. Rob and I come from a different generation and we've talked about this a couple of times. Um, we were the wait your turn generation. We we're both yeah. generation Xers and their boomer right. generation was much larger than ours, especially um, those taking place in the church culture. Um, there was a lot of wait your turn kind of, kind of situations, you know, that's yeah. why they created more staff pastors. You had a youth pastor and a kid's pastor, basically yeah. because you were waiting your turn to get to a pulpit. Wow. What I love about your generation is, is that, there is a an entrepreneurial spirit that that yes. says one we don't have to wait our turn two what i love about it is you're wait you're not waiting for their turn like so what yeah. you're doing is distinct in the, in the title of your your organization <laughs> distinct from what other especially older adults and older leaders are doing yeah. um in a unique manner so how did you go from this whiteboard idea at 16 you you mm-hmm. use the word strategy a couple times because I think a lot of young adults have great ideas. I think they're yeah. full of great ideas. What, what was the switch or what was sort of maybe the process that goes, hey, here's a great whiteboard idea to here's the strategy to accomplish that? Yes. Yes. Well, when I was um, 20, I had this moment where I felt like God was saying it's time to start Generation Distinct. And um, I didn't feel prepared. I never run an organization, obviously. I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing, but I really felt like it was time. And so I was working for this nonprofit marketing company at the time. I left that and took like a bunch of just odd jobs just to support myself while I had more space and a flexible schedule to build this thing. And um, and that's one thing I'm really passionate about, like actually sharing, because I think a lot of people just think, oh, you quit your job and it's this glamorous change and you walk into the next adventure. And it's like, no, that's not true. You still need to pay the bills. Right. And so I was working these odd jobs and I was just meeting with anybody who would listen to my idea. I mean, I just tried to pitch it over and over and over and over. But at the same time, we just started doing things. 
<laughs> I mean, before we were even ready, before we were even qualified, we had no idea what we were doing. This was me and two of my really close friends who kind of said, yeah, I'll help you with whatever this is. And we just started doing, we just started something. We just started trying. And so the first thing we ever did was this 52 week video series challenge, which is crazy looking back to think that the very first thing we started to do was a 52 week video series, but that's what we chose to do. And so we had multiple video shoot days. Every video was a different individual who we asked to come in and speak. We had 52 different scripts, 52 different challenges. I mean, we just went hard at this thing. But the funny thing is like when we filmed it, we didn't even have a tripod. Like all we had was a camera. So we would set a camera on like stacks of books and crates and stuff. And we would film these somewhat crappy videos, <laughs> but we were trying to do something, right? Like we wanted to take action. And essentially it was this, it was this challenge where every Monday in an entire year, we released a video with a challenge for how someone could go out and change the world that week. And it was fun. It was great. It's not like it went viral. Nothing crazy happened. But when I look back, I realized that that I think was a huge choice for me because we could have just said, let's build strategy and let's gain ideas and let's get lots of wisdom. And then once we have all of it perfect, then we'll start doing something. But what I'm really grateful is that we were too naive for that. <laughs> and we were so naive to just believe we could just do something and we could just build something and we could just try something. And it happened that it was in the process of doing, in the process of trying, that we started to realize what people were looking for and what people were hungry for. And we started to spread this message of what we were all about. And we clarified even for ourselves what it really was. And so it started with that. And then we kept doing these different video projects and trying to see what connected with people. And then three years ago, we really clarified our vision after examining all the things we tried, all the conversations I had. And three years ago, we really kind of solidified our vision and became an official nonprofit. And that's when we decided, hey, we're going to build a four-step strategy that young leaders can go through to really identify the wrong they were born to make right. And that's what happened. And literally last month. So September 15th is when everything was completed and the four-step journey officially launched. We have our first cohort actually going through it right now. And essentially it's an all online experience and it's a four-step process. And so step one is a video series exposing you to 12 of the most pre prevalent injustices in our world. Step two is actually a four-month coaching program where you go deep, you identify your passions and then you get to choose from one of five tracks to be trained on that passion. Entrepreneurship, evangelism, mentorship, activism, visionary track. And through that process, you're building your own custom world change strategy. And then you're going to receive that in a, like a book that, that every young leader will have a physical world change strategy for how they were uniquely born to change the world. Step three, they go into an online community, world changers around the country. Step four will be the first time they gather in person for an in-person event. Um, next summer will be the first one and where they'll really get to bring their world change strategy. And we're going to have mentors there and they'll get to have one-on-one -on -one mentorship time to know how to mobilize that world change strategy. So it went from an idea to an actual concrete strategy that we have in place. And I would credit it all to the fact that we were too naive to know we had to have a plan. And so we just started doing something. That's so cool. And I think, I think we cannot overlook the importance of what Hannah is saying here because She's saying, as you go, things become clear. 
right? That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, the, you talked about the Great Commission earlier. Yes. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, hesitation or even confusion sometimes where you get to the part in Matthew chapter 28 where it says, "Therefore go," right? Yeah. Well, yep. if you look at the 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 proper translation of that, what it essentially is saying is, "As you are going." That's right. right? That's right. So yes. Saying, As you are going. God will reveal those things. Jesus yeah. will make those things known. And so I think it's so cool for you to, to one, to say on one hand at 16, you knew exactly kind of what you wanted to do, what God had put in your heart to do. And you yeah. took steps, you took action, you, you learned, you developed, you grew, you committed, you did all yeah. of these things to see that come to fruition. But yeah. then you actually launched, but you launched with something that you didn't even know was going to work. Yeah. As you are going, it has That's evolved right. into what you are. And That's I think right. that is so critical because I think a lot of people are paralyzed by the, uh, not by the idea or the dream, like I really want to go do this thing. They're paralyzed by the process mm -hmm. of That's what right. it's going to take to get there. That's, That's it. And so we feel like, especially for, to do something great for Jesus, that we have to have all these details worked out, <laughs> yes. that we have to have all of these, you know, these uh, people in place to make it all happen. And, and yeah. the simple fact is we just don't No, because no. the whole point of journeying with Jesus is the journey with Jesus, right? As right. you are going, Come right? On. And yeah. then we forget that he's the great provider, it's, that he's right. the great That's healer, right. that he's, that he's the one who does all of this stuff. Yeah. It's his church. Yeah. It's his work, right? So, yeah. so he has responsibility and ownership in this when we partner with him. So I just want to highlight exactly mm. what you're saying in such yeah. a powerful way that for young leaders and those who are wanting to reach young leaders, help them mm. understand yes. as they are going, Yes, right? As they That's are going, it. God will do the, do the things. I've That's been reading it. John lately and, and I, I've, I took a, I'm, we've mentioned I've been in my master's program and one of the classes was a sort of a biblical study class. Um, not that I didn't study the Bible, but it was like this, it created this whole new lens of studying the Bible and, and a wider view and then narrowing it down and all this um, different approach. And so I've been reading John and, and the last, the end of John four, not the one with the well, but the Royal official. And then the, the John five, the, the guy at the pool of Bethesda, like those are the two things that have stood out as I've been studying this this last week is there's a promise, yeah. but, but we typically don't understand the process. Like, so wow. So like the man at the pool, the Bethesda is like, Hey, I can't, I got nobody to get me in the water. And Jesus is like, well, I got a different process. Get up and walk. <laughs> you know, yeah. the Royal official son, he's like, Hey, wow. Jesus, come to my house and you can heal him. And Jesus is like, well, the boy's going to live, just go on home. And, and yeah. the Royal official has to go back home, trusting the word of God, trusting the word of Jesus, that his boy's going to live wanting the process to look different. Like Jesus come wow. to my house. And I think the great struggle in, in, it's, I, in my transparency, so often I'm trying to look for the process before mm. just and hang, rather than just hanging on to the promise. Right. And, and yeah. so right. I think, and you talk about God gave you a promise for your generation. Yeah. And we've, we've tracked with you for a while, Hannah. We, we knew that part one was out and then part two was out, then part three was mm. out, and now part four is out of this mm. process. Um, and, and I applaud you. And I think it's, it's one of the struggles that I'm just, I personally have, I want to know the process before I really chase the promise. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, right. what I love about you and I think a lot of people in your generation is they're willing to go hard after the promise and not mm. fully knowing the process. Mm. Yeah. And Jesus reveals that sometimes as we go. And I think that's what you're yeah. saying, Rob. And I yeah. think that's so critical 
just just to to let the process sometimes unfold because it's never going to go the way we think it's going to go because God right. is always bigger than us and He's always got bigger thoughts than us and He's got more going on than we can ever imagine and it just that's right. Sorry, that's right. I haven't preached the, in a while, so uh, we'll I, mean, go <laughs> I mean, but the issue is, is that this generation we're consumed with the glamorous story and so often we are comparing our lives with the Instagram success and everyone looks successful overnight on Instagram, right? Like everyone looks like, wow, you just woke up one day and you had a ministry. That's so cool. Why can't I do that? And I have even had people say like recently, wow, like it's so exciting to see how quickly everything has grown. And I want to say, well, the vision came to me when I was 16 years old. Like it's not that I've been here for decades, but I mean, that was nine years ago, you know? And so it's not that I got the vision yesterday and I just started building and everything's cool now. There's yeah. been so many moments where I felt like defeated. And let's be honest, there are so many moments ahead that I'm going to still feel defeated and that nothing's happening right and all those things. And so I think, again, it's, it's a really big um, issue in this generation that we need to know that success is not the things you see on Instagram. Success is not once you arrive at this certain level. Success is obedience. Yes. And so obedience has to look like every single yes. day when it's just you and your house and a computer and nobody cares what you're doing, that that's beautiful and that's good and that matters. And if we can really define success as obedience, I think we're going to see a generation actually following following jesus and not just wanting to follow the trend of jesus that's so cool that's so obedience is the key that unlocks everything yeah. everything yeah. right so i don't want to even preach that sermon well let's let's switch gears a little bit because we do yeah. want to talk about uh this really cool book that you just released so um i mean kind of walk us through it here i know it's a part of the larger vision of generation distinct and yeah. it's it's kind of a and and the fruit of that whole that whole piece but Walk us through this, walk us through the book, tell us, tell us where we can get it and all that kind of good stuff. Absolutely. So this book is really a chronicle of my own journey. So again, going back to when I was 20, I was working at my church. I, you know, was attending small group. I had good friends. I volunteered in my youth group, you know, at my church. And I was living a really good Christian girl life. Yeah. But I still felt like something was missing. Because I heard these stories of the adventure of following Jesus. I saw these people doing great things in the world. And I just felt like there's something about that that I'm not experiencing right now. Like there's, there has to be more than this good, safe, tidy Christian life that I'm living. And I had a moment that happens really early on in the book where I took a trip to Colorado with one of my best friends, Faith. And we were sitting on this, this porch swing and it was a rainy day. And I remember just whispering these words. I think I want to discover a whole new way to live. Yeah. And she looked back at me and said, let's do it. Let's discover a whole new way to live. And that was five years ago. And so this book is really the chronicle of what happened over that journey, over that time. And the things I discovered and the places I went and how I really began to understand that to, to live this life that God has called us to, it doesn't mean we have to, to move across this country. It doesn't mean we have to become a missionary in a third world place. It doesn't mean we have to change everything about our lives. Rather, this is about discovering the passion and the purpose that has always been 
right there if you were only to see it and understand it and discover it. And so we break it up into four movements um, to really of what it means to live a life that matters, um, owning your potential, crafting your passion, finding your people, living distinct. And, and I just really believe that through my journey, through the, my, the stories in my life um, over the last few years, that young leaders will, will find their spot in that journey and will also get to discover um, a whole new way to live. That's awesome. Listen, I, I, we, you sent us the book and I've got a chance to look over it. It's great. Um, the, the course that you guys are doing is incredible. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited for the live event. Like that's the piece, like when you get to, I want to be like, I want to be there with those people hanging yes. out because that's going to be like the synergy yeah. of like, you know, all these yes. young adults coming together to, to chase yes. after the things that God will be incredible. Um, how, how can people get connected to Generation Distinct and how can they know if it's for them? Yes. If you are looking around right now and you are seeing the pain and the injustice and the hurt and the disunity in our world, and it bothers you, not just at a surface level, but at this core level. And there is something stirring inside of you that's saying, I have to do something about this, but here's the kicker. And then you say, but I don't know how this is for you. We literally created this journey for you. And so we have cohorts. Um, we have another cohort opening in November. And so you can actually go to generationsync.com right now and sign up for cohort number two. And once you do, um, you'll be automatically brought into this journey. And the first step you're going to be interacting with 12 sessions around the major injustices in our world and what you can do about it. And then step two, you're going to build your own world change strategy. You're going to have an answer for what you can do to bring change into the world. So if you, if that sounds like you, if you're, if you're a young leader, if you're, you know, college student, young professional, young married, if that's you, I would encourage you just take a risk and try it. And, and it's been so exciting to see the stories we've gotten back from beta testers who have said, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. And this brought me clarity. I wasn't sure how to change the world. And this was what I need. We had a woman um, recently that got, went through it and she messaged our team and said, I have been walking away from Jesus because in all of my church background, I've only heard that if I wanted to fight for justice, I couldn't do that while following Jesus. Mm -hmm. But since taking this course, I now understand that Jesus cares more about justice than I do. And it's changed my faith completely. And that was, I mean, Who's preaching this message about <laughs> justice and not, not Jesus? Like, that's a, a hot button. I you, need we, to we find need to out who that word. person is. Yes, you I'm do. i behind the old proverbial woodshed. <laughs> and, uh, who is preaching this mess? I like, know. I know, right? From? Yes. Well, where are they getting it? Like, I don't know if it's me. I don't I'm not saying this. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you look at me like I preached it. I just, that wasn't me. Yeah. Don't don't get me fired up now. <laughs> Listen, justice is a is a hot button for you, Rob. I know, I know. and it's yeah. it's where I think you and, you and Hannah found some common ground on this. And and, yes. and we listen. I, it, what breaks the heart of God should break our heart. And, That's right. That's it. That's it. And, and I think what we see around campus and in in other other settings with young adults is they are broken for mm -hmm. injustice and have no idea what to do. I think right. in this summer, that's what we've seen, especially with, with the rallies and the, the, the yeah. all the things, the protests and, and the injustices we've seen. And they're like, I, I got to do something. That's I got to right. do something about it. And so yep. what, I, what I feel like um, Hannah and her team are doing is giving an outlet for that to be yeah. done through a gospel lens 
That's right. Uh, the lens of world change through the power of Jesus and, his, and the Holy Spirit yeah. being active and alive in the, in the earth. Um, right. So I would really encourage, if you're young at all, and this, this is connected with you, please check out Generation Distinct. Please go and, and see if it's a fit for you. And if you want to join this cohort, um, we, we don't endorse a lot of things, but I endorse mm -hmm. this. I mean, this is wow. something that, I, that, that we get behind and, and celebrate. Wow. Um, so, so that's my stance on it. We want to kind of wrap up the show. You've had sort of a different educational journey. We usually talk to everybody about yeah. college students. I know you kind of, uh, didn't have a traditional college experience, but the final question is, and we'll bend it to how your educational experience went. What is one lesson you learned in your educational experience that did not yeah. take place in the classroom? That's good. So again, yes, I, I had a very different educational experience. So I did college and high school at the same time because I wanted to get done and do stuff. <laughs> um, so I, I graduated when I was 18. Um, and so a lot of my college journey happened when I was, you know, in high school. And um, But even more unconventional is I was homeschooled. And so I was one of those real cool homeschool kids, you know, because that's what they're known for, right? For being really, really cool. <laughs> Um, but I think the greatest lesson I got is that, so my mom is one of my heroes and she was the coolest homeschool mom ever. And she, she worked on her own passions and stuff, even while she was homeschooling us. But, um, one thing she did a great job of is creating space for creativity. She's one of the most creative people I know. And every morning for our beginning of school day, my siblings and I, my mom would be in the family room. And she would start our day with free creative writing sessions. And we'd all have to be quiet and we'd have to get out a notebook and we'd have to write for like 30 minutes. And it would be, we could write stories or poems or songs or journal or whatever we wanted to. And then this was the big, biggest part. We had to read it out loud at the end. Mm -hmm. And what I, I think that taught me is that creativity is, is beautiful in and of itself but it's even more powerful when it's shared That's and that right. I can have confidence to share the things that I've created. And I see so many young leaders again, who build something and are so afraid to put it out, who, who, who are creating things and are so afraid to talk about it. And I'm so grateful that my mom taught me that I can create beautiful things and I can have the confidence to share those things with others. And by the way, that's not just young people. That's two <laughs> people sitting at this table right now who still struggle. Right? with their yes. creativity. I'm, We've had so many conversations about I'm gonna that. Make, I'm going to make a huge confession here. I, uh, and very few people know this. Um, it, in high school, I would write poetry. And we had like one of those like, creative creative arts yeah, books. Yeah. At the, and, and like, I always wanted to submit something. And yeah. I was so afraid of the rejection and the, the persecution. Yep. Now in the 90s, we had clear dividing lines. If you were an athlete, you were not like, there was yeah. no Troy Boltons in our world. Like, <laughs> if you were an athlete, you were an athlete. If you were an artist, you were an artist. Those lines got, right. did not cross much. Um, but that's that's so good. And, and I've been yeah. better about sharing my art and sharing the writing. And it's, mm. you know, but as, that's an, as an adult, it's still a struggle sometimes. And yes. it's like awesome yes. creativity. Yes create space for creativity and share it with the world. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love it too. So, okay. So how can people stay connected with you? And I, yes. want to, how can they stay connected? 
Yes. Um, well, you can go to um, Instagram, which is where I hang out the most. And I'm Hannah.Gronowski on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter pretty often at Hannah Gronowski. You can go to my website, HannahGronowski.com. I have some cool resources on there, always launching some cool things um, for next-gen leaders. And then also GenerationsDink.com, where you can sign up for the cohort and really start your own journey. And then the book is available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, all the places you can grab the book. Awesome. As we love to say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at our table. Thank you so much. We, Thanks, we appreciate Anna. you so much. Thanks. Hey friends, thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. We loved having you at the table for this conversation. Would you do us a favor and comment, rate, subscribe, and share on your social media? That way we can get this content to other great leaders. And stay connected with us on Instagram at The Leadership Drip and on Twitter at Leadership Drip. And remember, you have a seat at the table. <laughs>